Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Hey, you guys can take a seat. Uh, my name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here at Revo. On the, the last Sunday of, of every month throughout this year, we've been uh, doing a series called Changed. Now, we open up the Bible every Sunday and we read stories and, and, and understand ways of how Jesus changed people's lives over 2,000 years ago. But here's what we believe at Revo. We believe that the Jesus that was working and changing people's lives in Scripture is still alive and working and changing lives today. And he's doing that in so many people's lives, even within our own church, the two campuses that we, that we have here in, in this area. And so we've been taking these special Sundays at the end of the month to highlight how Jesus is still changing lives today. And so I want to introduce you to a couple, a good friend of mine. This is uh, Caleb and Kelly Duvick. Um, they've been hanging out with Revo and uh, journeying with us, really been pouring into our small group leaders and and leading the charge in so many of the aspects of community that, that I hope that you're enjoying and being a part of. Um, but we, I met Caleb a, a couple of years ago, and uh, this guy, is a, he's a church planner. God's calling him to plant a church uh, in Asheville, and they're working towards that. And uh, Kelly's a school teacher, but more importantly, a partner in the ministry with Caleb. And uh, Caleb was actually on the docket uh, almost a year ago to preach at the downtown campus and. And I was going to come up here at North. Pastor Wesley had off that Sunday. And, uh, but, but Kelly was uh, about 38, 37 weeks pregnant at the time. And so we were communicating all up until this time. I was like, hey, is everything okay? Like, are you going to be able to make it? Uh, you know, do you think she's going to have the baby early? Um, and, and so we were communicating. And, and that weekend rolled around. And Caleb said, I think we're good. We're, she looks like she's going to make it the whole time. And um, I don't know if you know uh, this. I know Pastor Wesley mentioned it last week. But being a pastor is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job. Uh, if there's one thing that I know, it's um, difficulties and struggles and, and crisis in people's lives rarely happen 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. And so as a pastor, it's just my nature. I, I leave my phone on all night long, leave it by my bed. And unfortunately, when I know that a phone call comes in late at night, I, it's bad. It always is. And one Saturday night, the... The Sunday, the Saturday before Caleb was to preach, late at night, my phone begins to ring, and my wife and I sit straight up in bed, knowing that it's probably not good. But I reach over to my phone, and it says, Caleb Dubin. And I think, oh, oh, here we go. They're probably on the way to the hospital. The baby may be coming early, and he's calling to tell me. And I am super excited, and I am super nervous, because who's going to preach tomorrow, and what are we going to do? And, and so I picked up the phone in a very excited fashion, only to, to understand and, and hear that the excitement was not in, in Caleb's voice. And that's when he told me something, a conversation that I'll never forget, and a phone call that I know, and a day that changed this couple's life forever. And at about 38 weeks pregnant, Caleb let me know, um, we lost the baby. And we're on our way to the hospital. As I was putting my clothes on and jumping in the car to go up to the hospital, i got to be honest with you, my mind was racing 100 miles an hour because I, I went to seminary. I have a degree, but you, they don't teach you a class in that. They don't tell you what you're supposed to say when a, a close friend 
in a family that means a lot to you calls you and said, the worst case scenario has happened. And I began to pray in the car on the way up there, God, what am I going to say? What's going to happen? And I even began to dread the days and the weeks that would follow as we would wrestle with the idea that a family that was so excited about a gift from God seemed to all come crashing down on one fateful night. You're going to get to hear a story this morning of not only pain and tears and suffering, but of hope. A hope that I am so excited about you being able to hear firsthand from this couple. So if you would, help me in welcoming Caleb and Kelly Drew. Thank you so much. We're so honored to be able to share this morning. Um, the Saturday that Nathan specifically is talking about, I was 37 weeks pregnant. Um, had a healthy pregnancy up to that point. We were excited about the soon coming arrival of our baby. We just had our last um, baby shower that Thursday. Put the crib together Friday night, and so we were just playing the waiting game, waiting for our child to be born. Uh, that specific Saturday was a very, very busy day for the both of us. Caleb had to work all day, and then he came home and did some final sermon prep to be preaching the next morning. Um, one of my best friends was getting married, and so I, had, I hosted a bridal shower at my house that morning, and then we had a friend that was turning 30, so we went to Haynes Park and had a big cookout for his birthday. And so it was just a really busy, hectic day for us. And by the time I made it home that evening, Caleb was already getting ready for bed. I said, I haven't felt the baby move much today, but then again, I've been so busy and hectic that I didn't take the time to feel the baby move. Um, we had a Doppler at home, which you can listen to the baby's heartbeat. And one thing that we enjoyed doing at nights before we would go to bed is just to listen to the baby's heartbeat. So we pulled out the Doppler just to check and make sure everything was okay. Um, and as soon as I placed it on my stomach and couldn't find a heartbeat, I panicked a little bit because it was never hard for me to be able to find the heartbeat. So Caleb came into the living room and tried to help me find the heartbeat, and he couldn't find it either. Um, and being the loving husband that he is, he assured me that the baby probably just shifted in position to get ready for delivery. And so we decided to go into the hospital that night just to check and make sure that everything was okay. Yeah. And so... Soon after that, we arrived at the hospital, got checked in, um, started talking with the nurse, just kind of letting her know um, just that we weren't able to find the heartbeat at home, and we just really wanted to check and see if everything was okay. She assured us and said, hey, try not to worry. Let's get all my stuff and see if we can find it for you guys. And so as we sat there with her, um, you know, working with her equipment, um, a couple minutes of silence seems to stretch into an eternity. And at, point, at one point, she finally had to stop and say, I'm not finding anything. I'm going to see if I can find your doctor and left the room. And I think in those moments, I think Kelly and I finally had it hit home to us that um, we had lost our child. Um, soon after that, the doctor came in and said, hey, we're, we're going to just try again. We're going to get... Um, you know, everything pulled up on the screen. We're going we're gonna, to um, just try to see what's going on here. And, and soon we were able to see a picture of our baby on, on the monitor. And where we had usually, when we were doing ultrasounds before, we would see the heart beating. Um, we saw the baby's heart, and the doctor pointed it out and said, your baby's heart stopped beating. I'm sorry, but you've lost your baby. And I can tell you guys in that moment, those are some of 
the hardest times that you'll ever have in your life. I think it was the hardest time that we've ever gone through and experienced before. Just waiting and expecting to any day now be able to hold a child in our hands that had its whole life ahead of it, but then realizing that soon we'd be holding a baby that had no days left. And adding to the pain that we just found out that our child was gone, we had to make the hard phone calls to tell family and friends that we had lost the baby. Um, naturally, we called our parents first, and they were devastated. Um, they told us that they would begin making further calls to family members so we didn't have to make that hard phone call late at night. Um, and then we decided that the people that stood by our side on the happiest day of our lives, we had faith that they would stand by our sides on the hardest day of our life. And so we called our bridesmaids and groomsmen and shared the news with them, and they proceeded to also spread the news around for us so that we didn't have to make those hard phone calls. Um, we knew when they picked up the phone they were probably expecting exciting news the same as Nathan, and we had to share the heartbreaking news that we had lost our child. Um, Caleb made the phone call to Nathan as well to let him know that he was not going to be able to preach the next Sunday morning and for to see if they could make other arrangements. And at that point, the nurse came in and started making preparations for me to move from triage into a labor and delivery room. Um, they said that they were going to induce me, so they put me on Pitocin, started hooking up all the equipment, and said it would be about 24 hours before I would um, be prepared to deliver. And so we knew the next 24 hours were gonna be some of the toughest um, that we would ever have to go through as we waited for the arrival of our child. Um, but when we got to the hospital room, it wasn't long after that there were people knocking on our door, um, people that had already heard um, and were coming in support of us to show their love, to show that they cared for us, um, to encourage us, to pray for us, and just to be there with us. And we knew that um, we were going to make it with the community of the people in church and friends and family around us and with God by our side that we would be able to make it through this hard time. Yeah. And so I think the time that we spent with, with those people who were just surrounding us and loving and encouraging us, um, were, we were extremely grateful for those times and those people. Um, but there were times throughout this whole process when we were alone. Um, I can think back to late in the night after our friends and family had, had left and it was just me and Kelly, just in the stillness and the quietness trying to find some sleep and just prepare our hearts and our minds for the long day ahead. I think those hours were some of the darkest hours that we've ever experienced. And just in the quietness, there was a flood of questions that, that came into our minds. Why, why? Why were we having to go through this? Why did it have to be our baby? Was there something we could have done differently? Where was God in all of this? Why was he letting this happen? And I think in those moments, the biggest thing that we needed was hope. Hope for what was ahead. Because we were in for a season, a lifetime of suffering and sorrow with everything that was coming our way. As we struggled through those questions, we knew that our lives were going to be forever changed by this experience. Um, we didn't know at the time how, and even to this day, we're still learning, and I know we will in the years to come, learn um, 
how our lives are going to be impacted by this. But one thing that we discovered immediately is that the two of us grieve very differently and we process um, the loss and the tragedy very differently. And statistically, marriages that go through the loss of a child don't turn out very well. There's a lot of divorce. Um, and I'm glad that at the very beginning, we realized that we process things and we grieve very differently and we were able to learn from each other through that process. And we were able to support and encourage one another um, as we did go through this hardship. Caleb found a lot of peace in the fact that God knows us in our sufferings, whereas I found a lot of my peace through the sovereignty of God and the fact that he um, is in control of this whole situation. When we went into the hospital Saturday night, we had no idea um, what was to lie ahead, but God knew before our child was even conceived that this was going to happen. He knew that we were gonna lose our child, um, and he also knew that he was going to be the only thing that we needed. God was gonna be the only thing that we needed to get us through this um, tragedy. And I know that many people hear our story and hear what we have to say, especially unbelievers, but even some Christians, they hear our story and they think, wow, if God's so powerful like you say he is, then why didn't he do something about it? Why didn't he stop this tragedy from happening? Why didn't he save your child? Um, and I think it's the big skeptics question that many of us struggle with is where is God when bad things happen? Um, and I think all of us in some way struggle through that question. But when you look at the reality of it all, when you look back over history, when you look in the Bible, you see that no one is immune from hardship, from tragedy, from sickness, from illness. It'll impact us all in some ways or another. That doesn't mean that God loves us any less. When I see people who have healthy children, they give birth to children that, um, without any complications, I, I have to remind myself that God doesn't love them anymore, and he doesn't love us any less because we lost our son. Um, in fact, we know from the story of Lazarus in the Bible that when Mary and Martha lost Lazarus, Jesus came and he wept alongside of them. He grieved deeply with them, knowing full well that just moments later he was going to be resurrecting Lazarus from the dead. And so that just shows us how much God loves and cares for us, um, that despite our circumstances, he is there for us. And though we didn't experience a miracle um, and have our child resurrected right there in our presence or for something medical to, for the doctors to be able to stop it before it happened, we do have faith that God is coming through and will come through, just like we sang about this morning, um, that the resurrection is coming, that we'll be able to see our child again. And so we had to decide how we were going to handle that truth, how we were going to proclaim that truth in the future, um, because we knew that this was changing our lives and that our lives would forever be a testament to that truth. So as we were in the triage room, even before we had moved into the labor and delivery room, we were making our phone calls, and Caleb and I were just reflecting on the fact that Gabriel was in the presence of Jesus and how grateful we were that he didn't have to experience the pain and suffering that we have to experience here in this world. And we had planned weeks earlier, even months earlier, we had already decided on what our names were going to be for our child. We didn't know at that point if we were having a boy or a girl. Um, and so we'd already planned out our names. But I told Caleb, I said, I think that I want us to choose different names, names that are more meaningful given the circumstances. Um, so we began talking about it, and we decided that if we had a girl, we wanted to name her Hope. 
because she would forever be the reminder of the hope that we had in Jesus, the hope that we had to see her again, and the hope in the resurrection. And if we had a boy, we wanted to name him Gabriel, um, after the angel in the Bible that came to Mary and Joseph and proclaimed the hope of Jesus that was coming into the world. And I say that because the, the name that we gave our son we have been able to use that dozens, if not hundreds of times, to just share our faith with people. When they, when they hear about our son that we lost and they ask about his name, we can say, we named him Gabriel and this is why. And we're grateful that we have that testimony that we can use just even his name to be able to share the truth of God. Um, as we were preparing what to share today, I got really sad um, as I was talking to Caleb because all of the stories that we've heard, we've heard of people overcoming addiction, we've heard about people overcoming abuse and dealing with abortion, we've heard of people that have overcome the obstacles of adoption, and all of their stories have a happy ending, and our story's really sad. It, it doesn't have a happy ending, and that really disappointed me um, until God made me realize that our story doesn't have a happy ending yet because our story's not over yet. Um, we can rejoice in the, the good things that have come in the last 10 months. Um, our marriage is definitely stronger because of everything that we've gone through. We've been able to share our faith in ways that we never imagined that we would. Um, we're expecting another baby, so we're really excited about that. Um, but thank you. But in all of that, the reality is that our son is still dead. Um, and that's, that's hard for us to grasp, but we have that reminder that, again, our story is not over because Revelation tells us that a day is coming when the former things will pass away. God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and we will forever be able to stand in eternity praising Jesus with our son by our side. And I don't know any other happier ending to a story than that. And so we eagerly await that day. We're very excited about when that day comes. Yeah, we, we are truly excited for that day. Can't wait for you guys to meet Gabriel. Um, but we know it's going to be a long, hard road until that time comes. Um, it's especially hard to see those things at the very beginning when we're in the thick of all of that sorrow, that loss, it's still fresh. Um, and some days... It's really hard. Some days it feels like it's getting better. You know, we, we feel like we're, we're finally climbing out of that place of, of deep sadness and sorrow and uh, feel like we're moving. We're, we're moving forward only to find that sometimes the very next day, that footing that we thought we've had, we've lost and we're just stumbling back down into that place, into that sorrow, into that sadness. And when you're in that place, you know, it's really like just being a valley. It's, it's really hard to rise above everything and remember that God is in control, that God has a plan, that everything is going to work out in the end. It's hard to see. And honestly, sometimes it's so lonely. You know, falling right back into that place of suffering. And I think... You know, especially after we lost Gabriel and, and many days that we've had since then, we found ourselves in those places and we've really had to go to God. We've had to go 
to his word and find some truth that we can hold on to, something that speaks to us in those moments. And I think one of the most amazing truths that I think I've found is that God knows our suffering. God knows our suffering. In Psalm 56, 8, um, the psalmist says this about God. He says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all of my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And that's been so encouraging to me, just, just to know that, and when I feel alone, when I feel like we're, we're without anybody in this, we hear God tell us, no, I know what you're going through. It's like he's written everything down in his journal so it's present to him. The tears that we cry, all the way up to this, the tears that we cry on the stage, God is keeping them in his bottle. He remembers. And sometimes that's encouraging. Just remembering that God knows our suffering. But again, that's sometimes that's not encouraging enough, you know? Um, you've ever gone through something and a friend tells you, hey man, I've been thinking about you. You know, sometimes that's encouraging, but sometimes, you know, it's just not enough to, to enter into your loneliness and, and just feel like you're doing this on your own. But the, the amazing truth is that God takes it one step further. He says, not only do I know about your suffering, he gives us the promise that I am with you. I'm with you. And over these past 10 months, we've had a lot of friends say, hey man, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And if you guys have heard that before, you guys know that can mean different things from different people, right? Imagine a friend coming up to us after, after we just lost Gabriel and saying, hey man, I want you to know I'm here for you. Now, if that friend has never gone through anything like we've been through before, they can't comprehend the loss, the sorrow that we, we experience. And they tell you that, you know it's from you know, a good place in their heart. You know they say it with love. But it doesn't really penetrate that deep. Because how could they know? How could they, how could they share what we're feeling? And so, you know, it means something, but it doesn't mean as much as we, we wish it would. We still feel alone. But imagine a friend of ours came up to us in that moment after we found out about the loss of Gabriel. And imagine that friend has experienced miscarriages with their children. Imagine that they've lost a son or daughter. Maybe they've even gone through a stillbirth before as well. And when that person comes up to you and says, hey man, I just want you to know that I'm with you in this. The weight of what they say means so much more because you know that they've gone through that. They've experienced that. And in that moment when they say they're with you, you know you are sharing your suffering with someone else and you don't feel as alone as you used to. I think the beautiful thing is that when God tells us, he makes the promise, I am with you, it carries infinite weight. 
When God tells us that truth, I'm with you, he wants that truth to penetrate all the way to our hearts because he wants us to know that more than anybody else in this world, he can share in our suffering with us. You know, in our loss with Gabriel, this became such a reality to me. Because you... When we lost Gabriel, we lost our only son. A son that we love so much. And when God says, I'm with you, I know that's true because God knows exactly what it's like to lose his one and only son. Kelly and I only had a short amount of time with Gabriel. And it was wonderful. And I can tell you, we loved him so much. And so the loss was hard when he passed. But imagine a relationship of God the Father and God the Son lasting for all of eternity, a perfect relationship that never ended. Now can you imagine the loss that the Father felt when his Son died on a cross for us? There's infinite weight to that. And he shares in our suffering. The suffering that we have, God can relate to so perfectly. And anyone's suffering, God can relate to. He shares in your suffering. In Hebrews 2, the author tells us that Jesus became like us in every respect when he became a human. It says that he shared in all of our sufferings and trials. And so when you think of your own experience, Know that Jesus has felt what it's like to be betrayed by friends or family. Jesus has felt what it's like to experience the death of a parent, of a loved one. Jesus knows what it felt like to have absolutely everything and losing it, to have absolutely nothing. He knows what it's like to be falsely accused, to be homeless, to see loved ones go through illnesses. Jesus knows those things, and he can share with those things with us. I truly believe that there is no one who, more, who can more intimately come alongside you and share in the suffering that you're experiencing. And I think one of the most amazing things is not only does he come alongside you and share with it, I think that the sorrow and suffering that we have, God might even feel even more than ourselves. Since we lost Gabriel, I think there was one thing that, that hit me hard and communicated that truth to me um, more than anything. It came from a simple children's story, um, The Chronicles of Narnia. In the first book called The Magician's Nephew, there is this boy whose name is Diggory. And Diggory has lived a life um, as a child and he knows great suffering. As a small boy, he has a mother who for some time has been battling against an illness and she's on the losing side of that battle and he knows that very soon, if nothing happens, his mother is about to die and he will spend the rest of his life without her and he's filled with sorrow, he's filled with grief at the loss that he knows is coming. But near the end of the book, he encounters another character whose name is Aslan, he's a lion. And C.S. Lewis wrote the character of Aslan to represent Christ 
Jesus Christ in the world of Narnia. And when Diggory meets Aslan for the first time, he is overcome with his grief and sadness. And he breaks down in front of Aslan and asks him if there's anything that he can do, anything, to help his mother, to make her well, so that he can keep her. And what happens next is surprising. And I think it spoke so, so powerfully to me. It says this, up till then Diggory was looking at the lion's great feet and the huge claws on them. But now in despair, he looked up at its face. What he saw surprised him as much as anything in his whole life. For the tawny face was bent down near his own and wonder of wonders, great shining tears stood on the lion's eyes. They were such big, bright tears compared to Diggory's own, and for a moment, he felt as if the lion must really be sorrier about his mother than even he was himself. I can tell you guys today, I truly believe that God weeps with me and Kelly over the loss of our son. Because as much as Kelly and I loved Gabriel, I know for certain that God loved him even more than we could. And he mourned over the loss of his beloved son. And that gives me hope. When I remember those things, when I'm in those places in that valley, I don't feel so alone. I know that God is there with us and he's weeping with us. And so Kelly and I find hope in these truths that we, find, that we found in God's word. We find hope remembering that God's in control. We have hope remembering that he's gonna make all things right one day. We find hope when we remember that we love and serve a God who knows what it means to suffer and is walking through that suffering with us. It's because of the good news of the gospel that we can keep living our lives and stand here before you today filled with hope and even joy. And that's our story. That's our story about suffering and what God has been doing, the hope that we've found in it. But today is an invitation for you as well. We're not the only ones who are gonna go through suffering in this life. Each and every single person here will be touched by it. And the question is, what will that look like for you? What does God desire for you? What is he inviting you to? And I look out and I see all kinds of people who have come from all different walks. Everyone has different stories. And we ask ourselves, what, how can we encourage you? How can we help you? And I know that there's some people here who might hear what we're saying and think it's foolish. How can we believe these things about God in spite of all the things that we've gone through? Maybe you have a hard time believing it. Maybe you're skeptical about this whole Christianity thing. And I wanna tell you today, I believe with my whole heart that Christianity has the best and only real answering for suffering that you will find in this world. I think that you can look anywhere and you will never find anything that gives you more hope than the truths that we're talking about today. You see, suffering is unbearable if you're not certain that God is with you and God is for you. If we remove God from our sufferings, we're left with cruel, cold, 
and in personal suffering. I truly believe that apart from God, any suffering that we go through, no matter what it is, there's no hope to be found. There's no purpose. There's nothing you can gain from it. Apart from God, it's meaningless. But if we can recognize that suffering is somehow, in some way, being used by God, then our grief, though it's real and though it's painful, our grief is not wasted. It's not futile. Because I believe that God's word communicates and speaks truly when it says that God is working in our suffering and through our suffering. God can take anything that is broken, anything that is evil, and he can turn it against itself, to work against itself. I think a good place that God talks about this is Romans 8, 28, where he says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You see, usually people take this verse and try to convince themselves that God is saying that he's gonna work everything out in their life, it's gonna be posh, everything's gonna be nice, everything's gonna be great, but that's rather untrue. You see, God doesn't promise anywhere that Christians will be spared from suffering, trials, hard times, or sadness. But what he does say is that when those times come, when those times come, it's not the end for us. It's not the end. You see, because he's going to take the worst of the worst that can, we can ever experience in our lives, and he can use it against itself. God can take even something like the death of our son and use it for our good. And I can tell you today, as we sit here before you 10 months after this, we have seen God use even the death of our son for good. I can tell you that because of Gabriel, Kelly's and my faith is so much more real than it ever was before. Because of Gabriel, we've been able to share the story about the hope that we have in Christ with people that we would have never been able to share it with before and in a way that connects with them. Because of Gabriel, we've been able to look around us and see people who are going through suffering, who are going through loss, and we feel like now we're able to step in because we know and have experienced that. We're able to care for them and love for them and be there for them in a way that's meaningful to them. Because of Gabriel, I believe our marriage is stronger. Because of Gabriel, I believe both of us look more like Christ than we ever did before. You see, it may be hard to see the good in times like these. Not everyone's gonna see the good. Not everyone's gonna see the answer. Not everyone's gonna see God's plan. Because God's ways can be unfathomable. But one thing that is not unfathomable is God's character. We know that God is good. We know that he is loving. We know that he is wise. And he's merciful. And the only place you need to look to know that that's true is the cross where Jesus died for us. And if you believe in those things, if you believe that God is good, then you're gonna know he's in control and he is working things out for our good. You can have hope in that, you can trust in that. 
We've definitely encountered um, people that are skeptical to the faith that we have, but maybe that's not you. Maybe you sit there and, and you believe the goodness of God, but you can't fathom how you would handle a circumstance like this if it were to come into your life. Um, in Ecclesiastes 7.2, it says, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. Um, some translations of the Bible say that it's better to go to a funeral than to a celebration. And we might read that and think, how morbid. Like, who would want to be going to a funeral? But when you go to a funeral, to a memorial service, you're forced to face the reality of the fact that our lives are finite, that an end is coming. And I truly believe um, that when hard times come, God wants us to face them head on instead of running away from them. Uh, unfortunately, in the American culture, we tend to try to avoid hard times when they come in our lives. Um, Caleb and I have even experienced this since the loss of Gabriel. We can be out in public and people avoid us um, because they don't know what to say or they don't want to have to have those difficult and hard conversations. And I don't think that that's what God's designed for us um, to do. I think that he wants to show us that he's there for us in the small times, in the small tragedies, in the small hardships, um, and for us to turn to him even in those small things. Um, I say that because absolutely every one of us is going to experience some form of suffering. It's a result of the fall. It's the result of original sin from Adam and Eve. Um, the question is not whether or not you're going to experience suffering. The question, honestly, is when are you going to experience that suffering? Um, we're all just a phone call away from news that will change our lives forever. Um, many of us are going to experience the death of a loved one. Most of us will experience the death of our parents one day. Some of us, the death of our spouse. God forbid the death of a child, um, of friends, of other loved ones. How are you going to handle that when it comes your way? Um, some of us are going to find out that we have some sort of deadly illness that we're going to struggle with, or someone close to us is going to struggle with cancer or something like that. How are we going to deal with that? Um, some of us are going to experience the betrayal of someone close to us. Many of us will face the pain and hu humiliation of financial crisis. Some of us will even um, fall to guilt and shame that comes with moral failure or experience a disaster that we never thought would happen to us. What are we going to do when those things come our way? Um, one thing that I have learned um, is that if we practice now turning to God, in the things that happen in the day-to-day -day, instead of running from them, that he'll better prepare us for the hardships that will come in the future. I know that's true for me in my life. Um, Nathan talked about how I've been a teacher. I've taught kindergarten and first grade for eight years, and in that time, two of my students have passed away. Um, and so I know as I dealt with those hard questions that God used that to better prepare me for the loss of my son that he knew was coming in the future. And so I think that's true for all of us, is that we, if we embrace head on and turn to God in the, in the small hardships that we experience in life, it'll better prepare us for when those hard, more difficult hardships come our way. Yeah. So I think that's an invitation for everyone here today is to look at your own life and ask how God is wanting to prepare you for these times of suffering. But not only that, I think one of the amazing things is that and thank God we're not on our own when we go through this. Um, but God's called us to be a church, to be part of a community of people 
And so not only are you gonna be going through suffering at some point in your life, but I, I know for a fact that there's people around us that are going through suffering. Many people in your life, whether friends or family, are dealing with something right now. And the question is not only how are we going to experience suffering in our lives, but how can we come alongside people who are experiencing suffering in theirs? And so we just wanna encourage you just with a couple things, like man, what does it look like to do this well alongside in the people, the people in your life? How do you come alongside them? Um, Revo is about to be going through a series in Job. Um, if you know anything about Job, I don't think there's anyone in this, in this world that has gone through any more suffering than he has. Um, and Job had some friends that, that came to him after he had lost everything. And uh, they said a lot of stupid things to him when they actually opened up their mouths. But one of the most helpful things that they did when he was going through all of his loss was to just come and sit in silence with him, to weep with him, to mourn with him, and just be present. Man, I guarantee you that, man, we don't always have the words to say, but when you come alongside someone and are just present in their life when they're going through stuff, it means the world. It really does. Another thing that was very encouraging to us um, came from Psalm, Psalm 139, 13 through 16. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this. Um, the psalmist says, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. And we read that um, and can cling to the truth that God knew our son before he was even born. Um, God knew Gabriel as he was growing within my womb, um, and he loved him deeply. And so knowing that God acknowledges the existence of our son means so much to us, um, but just as much it means a lot when other people acknowledge the fact that our son existed and that his life had value. And so one thing that we would encourage people um, who are dealt, dealing with someone that's going through a loss, be it a child or be it um, an adult, a grandparent, is just acknowledge the existence of that person. Talk about that person. Share memories about the person that they lost um, because it brings so much healing and so much hope to the person that's going through that loss. Yeah. And lastly, share hope with people. And sometimes there's a time to be quiet, but there's times in other people's lives when they just need to hear hope. I know that all of us have people that probably have never heard these things before or don't believe them. They need to hear them. Some of us have people who do believe these things, but maybe when they're in that suffering, when they're in that sorrow, they've forgotten. It's easy to lose sight and we need to help remind them, share them that God is, share with them that God is in control. That in the end, God is gonna work out everything for good and that he's there with us. He's with us in our suffering. Because more than anything, when we are dealing with suffering in this life, we need Jesus. He is our hope. He is the answer. And he is what will, at the end of the day, help us through and give us everything that we need. We love you guys.